So today, I want to talk about how are you treating your Bible? Our passage is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 17, a very familiar passage, I'm sure. Uh, we could also call this the sufficiency of Scripture, or our Bible is the only rule for faith and practice. Uh, I want to challenge you this morning as we, we look at this, is, is how are you considering your Bible? How is it important to you? How are you examining it for yourself? Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for today and this opportunity we get to be in your word and to consider um, what you have for us and what this important passage means to how we live. I ask you to bless this time, I pray, bless my words, I'll help it to be clear and communicate well what you would have for us, and uh, bless this time in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So my first question for you today is, I have other questions. There it is. What is one of your goals? Just think. Just, I would just one of your goals, and then I want you to tell your neighbor. That means the person next to you, not the person in rows down. Or just one of your goals, and just share it with somebody that's next to you, or on both sides. Just one of your goals. So, what is your? You might question: Do you have the right goal? Some of your goals may have been, well, there's many potential goals. Some of them might be to stay awake during chapel. That's one of my goals right now. Uh, you could have a cool car. You could get through, debt, uh, get through school debt-free. That'd be a great goal. Um, maybe just to get through school would be a better goal. Have you ever had a meal that you wished, or did you, did your goal was to live until you got to dessert? Because the meal was such that you needed to live, and then, and then you're so excited for dessert because you could finally eat something, and then it was chocolate-covered zucchini or something like that. <laughs> Why do people put vegetables in dessert? I don't understand that. Maybe you wanted to skydive. I've wanted to skydive. I thought it'd be cool. I fly, I've flown a bunch of times, practiced crashing a bunch of times, but never actually jumped out of the plane. Maybe your goal is to get married. Noble goal. Maybe you should start a little bit lower, like learning how to talk to a girl. That'd be a goal. (laughs) Or maybe not run away when a guy's trying to talk to you. That'd be helpful, too. So, and that doesn't have to be your goal, really. Uh, Being single is is very, very important, too. That's what uh, Paul suggested we do so we can focus on ministry. Some of us have bucket lists. These are the things that I want to do before I die. Um, one of the things, one of the questions I love asking uh, people is, how do you want to be remembered when you die? Now, God forbid that you would die today. How do you pe- want people to remember you? And to, for me, that's, that's where some of my goals come from. Uh, God has a desire for us as well. He has a goal for us. Uh, Ephesians 2 talks about his desire for us uh, to be with him for eternity, so he can show us his loving kindness towards us. And, and that's an, an awesome goal. 
Well, I like to start a little bit backwards in this passage. The goal here in verse 17 is what I want to look at first, so we have a, a direction we're going. It says that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so the goal that God desires for us is to work on this perfection. And I want to unpack that a little bit with Colossians 1, uh, 9 through 12. There it is. And so Colossians 1, 9 through 12 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power into all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So you notice there's, there's some highlights on there. I highlighted, you know, of his will, of the Lord, of God, to his. He's talking about God and, and the Father. So we see God is very involved in this. And he says that he wants us to be filled with the knowledge of who he is. That, uh, that in wisdom and spiritual understanding, that he, we can walk worthy of the Lord. So unto all pleasing and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of who God is. Strengthened with all might for his, through his glorious power. And then we're giving thanks. And so this really kind of describes more of this goal, what's going on, is that God wants us to know who he is and so that we can live for him and do so well and to be pleasing to him. So how do you accomplish your goal? How do you accomplish your goal? So what path do you take? What instruction do you need? Now, I did bring something. There it is. I didn't hide it too well. Mr. Aachen was disappointed to figure out that I wasn't bringing carpet, just a carpet cleaner. That's what this is. It's not a, it is an over-glorified vacuum cleaner. This was actually, this is actually my mom's. Uh, my mom was able to move in with us this year, and she brought certain things, and this was one of them. And uh, my wife actually and I got to use this. Uh, when we moved, there's some rugs we just wanted to clean, and, and we got this out, and uh, we found uh, the instruction manual. Uh, my dad had saved. You know, I broke my glasses the last time before I preached, so I'll just stick these in my pocket so I don't break these too. I only have one pair left, so I need to go to the eye doctor. Anyway, I'll make a note of that later. So he gave us, he saved an instruction manual. My dad passed away two years ago, uh, but he saved a lot of stuff. And so we've got this, uh, this carpet cleaner, we've got this instruction manual, and it's great. It talks about water, it talks about it actually literally has a picture of how to plug in the, out, the, the plug here into an outlet so you can't figure it out on your own. Um, there are things about warnings. Literally, uh, like, in Matt, halfway through the manual, there's like, I think I counted like 12 warnings. And all of them start with, to reduce the risk of fire. <laughs> fire, electric shock, or injury. To reduce the risk of fire. To reduce the risk of fire. To reduce, seriously, that's about all it says. But it does talk about things like, hey, you're only allowed to use detergent uh, that's for this because they want you to buy their stuff because it's more expensive. Um, so we, we have this. This is mostly full because we have a dog. This one's almostly empty because <laughs> this is the pet formula carpet cleaner. I don't even know what this one is. 
This is multi-floor while we were just using rugs. So, so it's got a lot of good things to it. And it's, it's really awesome. And so we, we figured out you know, how to, to use it, looked at the manual, just the, where this hot water, it has this solution or shampoo. Um, but what's important about manuals is that they have to be for the right thing. This manual, the picture on it is very different from this carpet cleaner because it doesn't match it. This is the one my dad saved, but it doesn't match this carpet cleaner. Now, it tells me how to carpet clean, but this is a Bissell, and this is a Hoover. And so sometimes when we, we look at our lives, do you have the right manual? Is important. So the first word here, all, is very important. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And this word all is kind of like when you eat cake. Now, I'm not a big cake fan. I'm more like pie. I actually like pizza. But more like pie. But when you eat cake, sometimes you, you, talk, you just we like become suddenly connoisseurs when you eat cake, right? You take a bite, you're like, oh, this is really good frosting. Or this frosting's cutting my throat. Or this is, what in the world do they do with this frosting? It tastes like paste. Or it's like, oh, you know what? The frosting is good, but the cake is better. It's so moist. Or it's so dry and crumbly that it's, you know, I need to get some more milk. Sometimes it's just the decoration that looks good on it. Sometimes that fondant stuff that they put on cakes is just like, like hard as a rock. So what he's saying is that it's all good. It's the whole thing. And, and God says that all of Scripture is inspired by him. And the word inspiration here is, is more than just going out into the woods and going, oh, it's so beautiful. I just take my pen out and to the girl three rows up, how beautiful your hair is in the autumn. It's kind of, kind of nonsense. He's talking about more than just being inspired. He's actually talking about, well, the passage of Second Peter actually does better, so I'll just use that instead of my own ideas. Second Peter one twenty through twenty one says, "Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost." So the Holy Spirit worked through them, and they wrote as they were moved by Him. They did it in their language; they wrote it in their style, but the words and the ideas. Their very content is God's. It is God's word. So this manual is, is really, I mean, I guess I could write a note to my wife on it, but she'd ask me why I'm writing on manuals. Uh, it's really pointless. And with that, I think we begin to look at the things that we are accepting as guiding our lives are there right manual? Do you have the right one? Next one. Are you using the Bible correctly? So who do you trust? So think of one person that you trust. One person, turn to the person next to you and tell, that per, tell whoever is next to you, one person that you trust. This is going to be a lot shorter than the goal thing because I'm looking for a name. Just one person you trust. All right. I'm pretty sure my name didn't come up. 
Maybe it did, I don't know. All right, thanks, I appreciate that. All right, so what happens if this person that you trust, that somebody comes to you and you hear about something crazy they said? Like, man, that's just crazy. What do you do? Well, we go around and gossip about it and tell other people. My good friend that I trusted said this crazy thing. We should examine it. So we, are you using the Bible correctly? So do you see it as an instruction manual? Is it a list of instructions? So you pick and choose what you need or when you're really desperate. Uh, we talk about, uh, in class, we talk about finding God's will. And those people that like take a paper Bible and just flip it open and just go, and just put their finger in it. Just pick out this verse. Oh, that should apply to me. Are you using your Bible that way? Um, is it just warnings of what not to do? So you just kind of ignore it until you're like, okay, this is a bad thing. I figured out what, what not to do. Uh, sometimes we read the Bible to check off a list. A young man that told me that he was reading his Bible backwards. Literally, like starting in Revelation, the end, the, first, the last word, and reading it backwards. Very pointless. I talked to him about it, and then he decided, just, I'll just read the book of Revelation backwards. And then, or just, anyway, it was just, he was just doing it for fun. So he can say, oh, I read the Bible backwards and forwards. So God says that it is profitable, or it's beneficial. It, it means that it's designed for a purpose. God just didn't string these things along for us to just like, okay, this is God's word. He meant it for a reason. It's a trustworthy instruction on what is right in so many different ways. So we see that it is profitable for something in particular. 2 Timothy 3.16, again, it says, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So doctrine is teaching. It's practical. It's talking about the, the gospel. It's talking about salvation. It's talking about who God is. It's talking about what sin is. It's talking about righteousness. And he tells us how he thinks, which is really awesome when you think about it. We like to tell people what we think. God explains to us in many different ways through his word what he thinks. Sometimes he tells us outright what he thinks. Sometimes he gives us examples of what he thinks. The word reproof means that we're using what we see in God's word to accurately identify where someone or something is wrong. The word accurately is important because the Bible gives us what is irrefutably right and wrong based on God's character and justice. Not my own presuppositions, not my own assumptions, or the world's ideas or my neighbor's ideas of what's right. The word correction means fixing what is wrong. And so it's not just reproving. So it's like, you know what? You need to stop it. You need to just stop doing that and just, that's it. That's actually not correcting anything. It's not fixing what's wrong. So the Bible says it's good for correction. So not just identifying that something that I'm looking or doing is wrong. It's fixing it so that it's right. It gives us the right direction. And then the words instruction and righteousness, it means it teaches me what God thinks. It's practical what he loves and doesn't love. It reproves me when I'm wrong. It corrects me so that I can be right and instructs me in how to live righteously without sin. So what does this mean for me? 
What does this mean for us? So God's word, canon of scripture, was completed around 2,000 years ago, a little bit less than that. So every idea, new idea, new concept in the last 2,000 years has to be tested against his word. We understand that there's nothing new under the sun, but why is it right now, when we look at things like, why is that truth that someone else is coming up with the one that I'm going to follow? I need to go back to God's word, which is inerrant, to figure out what is actually true. I need to compare it. Because if God has said, you know what, I held back this particular knowledge for you to live righteously, for you to to know who I am, for you to work pleasing for me, he left it out 2,000 years ago, that means for the church, for the last 2,000 years, we've been doing it wrong. God's word is what we need to compare it to. God's philosophy. So the Bible's relevancy has never changed. He's the same in the past, today, and the future. So test worldly wisdom. What's its foundational principles? What is, it, what is this based on? What is it going after? And in my position, this is what I go after a lot. In counseling for 20 years, I'm in God's word a lot. And so am I, am I really comparing what I believe to what he says or what other people believe to what God says? Test your own ideas. Do they match up with what is found in scripture? Well, this is what I think, but what reason do I think that? Am I going back to Scripture to figure that out? So study wise people who've also studied God's Word, who've done the same things, and they've written it down so they can be our teachers, which Ephesians chapter 4 talks about, that we need that so that we aren't tossed around by doctrine like a wave in the water. So study these people. So do you have the right manual? That's weird. That slide came up blank. So strange. Anyway. All right, we'll get there. So do you have the right manual? The Bible is God's word. It is inspired. Are you using the Bible correctly? It is God's standard for righteousness. It is purposely designed by him for us to stand on, to test man's ideas and philosophies. And do you want God's goal? That the man of God may be perfect, Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So back to the goal. So biblical epistemology says uh, that basically it just means a biblical way of coming to know anything. So that way is to first fear the God, fear the Lord, and listen to what he has to say. The idea of fear is that when we look at God, he is somebody that I don't want to displease. I don't want to disappoint. I'm fearful of what I do if I'm wrong. I'm fearful of him being disappointed with me. I desire that he is encouraged that I'm seeking after him, even imperfectly. So as believers in Christ, we're something new. We are children of God. We are different. We are very, very different in many ways. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. And that Holy Spirit helps us, encourages us, teaches us, um, the, the two words, the two things here, perfect. To be perfect means complete and lacking in nothing. Like, I feel like there's an empty hole sometimes. Like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what God says about this. Well, we have his word so we can study it to learn what that is. And he says, rightly equipped unto all good works. I have a few passages here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 10. 
It says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So he's talking about being accepted of the Lord. Ephesians 5, 8 through 10 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So he talked about the idea that we were in darkness, we were following following after Satan. We didn't understand, we didn't know. Now, many of you are like, I've been in church all my life. And so I've been studying this. And, uh, and you don't really maybe know very much about darkness, but I think as you've gotten older, you realize that there's plenty of darkness still there. There's things that we still fight against. But he says, you're in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit there, helping us prove what is acceptable. Then 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectively worketh also in you that believe. So Paul assumes this with Timothy. That with Timothy, that he had grown up, but he, he had been studying Scripture. He says, uh, the verse ahead, we, we see that, verse 15. And now the believer in Christ should desire to be perfect or complete. Notice being a believer in Christ is just the start. It's the right start. Uh, this is the progressive nature of our, of our working in Christ, is that uh, we begin as believers, but we continue to learn, and grow to become more like Christ. We call that progressive sanctification. And, and that role is, is finished in eternity when we're with the Lord, but we work on it now so that we can be pleasing to him. So the Bible has necessary instruction, philosophy, reasons, teaching, reproof, and correction to make us into what God wants us to be, men and women that love the Lord, that are desiring to please him. You know, this manual, I was looking at before we started, it actually has a letter from the chief executive officer, president chief executive officer, but it doesn't actually have any philosophy. It doesn't tell me why I should want my carpets cleaned. It just says, you, we figured that you, you, you bought it, so you're going to use it. Their tagline is here is, we mean clean. But it doesn't tell me why. God's word gives us a goal. And so, do you have the right manual? Are you using it correctly? I love blank slides. So if you have the right manual, you have God's word. If you're using it correctly, it's designed for you to test what you hear, what you see. Uh, years ago, I had a, a guy come to me, and he said, my girlfriend keeps telling me all the things her dad has taught her. I'm trying to encourage her, 
to study God's word so she has a foundation for it. Are you that person? I'm just living off of what dad and mom said. Are you studying the Bible for yourself? Because it is our rule for faith and practice. Everything that you hear and see and read should be tested against God's word. Even what I said. Don't be, well, somebody told me. Know it yourself. Study it yourself. Find wise pastors and teachers. Listen. Because you should want God's goal to be completely equipped to live a life pleasing to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love and your kindness to us. I thank you that we do have your word, that it is sufficient, it is inerrant, it is complete, it is for us to grow in Christlikeness, that we have this desire to grow in Christlikeness. You have this desire for us to grow, and you've equipped us with being able to do it with your Holy Spirit and through the training of your word. Help us to wisely compare what we see and hear in our world to your word. Bless us, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.